But if you will, open your Bible to Luke. It's good to look in the book. This is God's book. It doesn't change. It is powerful. I said it's powerful. How many of you know it's powerful? You know, some things are powerful, but people don't know they're powerful. Amen. Let me, let me give you an example. So me, because I'm more intelligent than most people, just let that sink in. And I'll explain, and then you'll agree, possibly. Maybe, maybe you won't agree after I explain. So when I was little, you know, being scientific and everything, one day I wasn't feeling well and talking about things being powerful. But, you know, things can be powerful and you don't experience them. And so uh, when I was little, I had gotten sick, and I was a very adventurous person, uh, meaning I got into stuff and got myself into trouble. And uh, I was sick one day, and I wanted to go outside and play, and, you know, my parents wouldn't let me. Aren't they mean? You know, you don't feel good, and they won't let you go outside and play? They probably should have said, just go. So anyway, I came to the conclusion that if, if you take an aspirin, usually it takes about 30 minutes, and it kicks in. Right? I mean, I might not be right, but I was just a about five years old, so I thought, what if I, and they hid all this stuff up above the refrigerator, so there were drawers, so I pulled the one out real far, the next one a little shorter and shorter, and I had a ladder, you know, right up onto the counter, get right up into the cabinet, popped open the aspirin jar, and I deduced, if you take one, you, you know, uh, aspirin, and I took adult ones, then 30 minutes is going to kick in, take a couple, it'll kick in quicker. So I just down the bottle. See, I told you I'm smarter than the average bear. How many realize I could have held those pills, they wouldn't have done a thing in the world for me. In other words, there's power in those little pills. I mean, I overdid it, but you know, there's power in the gospel. And there's a way to extract the power out of the gospel. And really, the, there is power that's on it that will minister to people. And then there's power that's in it when you accept it that it gets in you. And it's both ways. You know, there's power that's given through it, and then there's power that's extracted out of it. And so with those pills, you know, I ingested those, and they went to work, and I went to the hospital. And they thought my parents, particularly my mom, was trying to kill me. I would visit for various things that I would do. Um, and they said, no kid eats a full bottle of Atoll aspirin. And they said, well, this kid did. And they said, that's not true. But then when they tried to pump my stomach and put a tube in my mouth, and as a five-year-old kid, four adults, males, couldn't get it in, they said, well, maybe, maybe he did take them himself. And so then I remember my dad having to reason with me as a little boy, if you don't allow us to, you know, to drink, you know, if you don't drink this to throw it up, then you're going to have to put a tube in your mouth. And that's how I accepted their, their challenge. And uh, anyway, but all I'm saying is there was power in those pills and there's power in the gospels. You know, the truths that are in there. And if you believe, hey, that was good. So don't, 
it's a rough crowd, but anyway. But if we will get them in our heart and believe, then really, if you will read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and Jesus' interaction, that's really where miracles took place when people accepted the word. And um, where they didn't, it didn't produce miracles. So there is power in God's word. So we're going to begin reading in Luke's gospel, the second chapter and the first verse and we're going to look over the Christmas, uh, what we talk about is the Christmas story of the celebration of the coming of Christ. And we're going to look at his introduction in earth, his earthly, you know, not, he was introduced, so to speak, before he came. There was all kinds of prophecies. We looked at that last week. Well, we'll begin reading in verse 1. And it says in Luke 2, 1, And it said, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus to all the world uh, that they should be registered. This census first took place while Quinarius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, or his promised wife-to-be, who was with child. Now, we saw that last week that, you know, there was a prophecy thousands of years before, hundreds of years before, about all different kinds of things that would take place. One of them was that a virgin would conceive, supernaturally have a child and really would have God in them and birth God into the earth. And so it says to his wife Mary, he was betrothed or promised, verse 6 says, so it was that while uh, they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Because what had happened was people were coming uh, to be registered for this census and the hotels or whatever they were, inns, were all filled up. And so here's this pregnant lady about ready to give birth and she has the Messiah or the Savior of the world. God didn't come to the world because he was mad at the world. He came into the world to help the world. And it's so interesting with such a celebration time to us that we know Jesus as God in the flesh, the Savior of the world. When he was introduced into the world, the Bible said he was laid in a manger, and that's you know, for us, we, we may not think about that. Literally, he was laid in a food trough, you know, that animals would eat their straw or whatever out of that trough. And then it said he was wrapped in swaddling clothes, which means strips of cloth, you know, just were wrapped around him kind of to restrain a child. You know, just kind of how parents do today, wrap a blanket so the child didn't scratch themselves or do things like that. And so here, the coming of the Messiah, the Savior of the world, is born with this natural birth, but supernatural, and he didn't 
get laid in a palace. He was laid in a manger and a food trough. And it says, verse 8, so he's there. And it said, now there were, in verse 8, in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. Now, what that means literally is some kind of power that was seen in the Old Testament would be like a super bright light. There were times it would appear in the Bible and some people would be blinded by it. Others would have to turn away. So when this happened, these shepherds are out there in this field and all of a sudden an angel appears in this glowing power is all around them. And it said, Behold, the angel of the Lord stood with this glory, and it shone around him, and they were greatly afraid. Verse 10, Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people or for all people. Verse 11, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You know what's very interesting about this? If you go back and read through the Bible, there are very few people that were introduced by an angel. They or or supernaturally introduced as they came into the earth. And and usually maybe with one person or something like that, there was an introduction. But again and again, we saw where these magi had angelic visitations where angels appeared and said, the Savior has been born here. Now we see shepherds this week who are just working out in the field, minding their own business, knowing that something was going to come to the earth you know, that there would be a Savior that would be born. They had seen this. The Jewish people knew. And these guys are minding their own business in the middle of the night, watching these sheep, and all of a sudden an angel appears. And could you imagine being out there in the dark? It, in the dark? it wouldn't be like us, it, you know, where we would have street lights and maybe we're on the hills and we're looking down on the city and we see all these lights and we think, oh, how great it is. It would have been real dark at that time. And they would have been out there and the reason they were out there was to fend off wild animals and different things like that. And, you know, maybe it was just a normal night for them and all of a sudden an angel appears. How many of you know if an angel appeared, uh, that would be something? You know, I'm just preaching and all of a sudden everybody sees some nine, ten foot tall being right next to me. I would think um, that would do something to you. And so here these guys are and this angel appears and they're totally afraid. And verse 10 said, and the angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ, or anointed, or the one whom God has put his power. He is Christ the Lord. 
And this will be the sign to you. In other words, you shepherds can go find him. And if you want to find him, here is going to be the sign. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising the Lord, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward man. When we're celebrating the coming of the Savior, you know, Easter we talk about how he died and rose again, but think about his introduction into the earth. His introduction into the earth should be an ongoing relationship with people who know him, and it should be the thought, goodwill. Goodwill. God didn't come into the earth because he was mad and thought, these guys messed everything up, I'm ticked off at them. He came into the earth because he loved man and wanted to help people. And so in all reality, when we're celebrating the birth of Christ at this time of year, it's not only just this baby was born. It was an expression of God's goodwill toward every human being. And it's interesting, he said, toward all the world. How many of you know there are a lot of people in the world who don't love the Lord? They don't. They're not interested in him. They don't love him. But how many of you recognize the fact whether they love him or not, God loves them. God cares about them. If he cares about them, how much more us? I think that's something that should settle in, especially for people who really strive to want to please God. Because sometimes if people don't measure up in themselves, you know, and think, man, I'm just not measuring up, I wonder if some of them uh, start to change the thoughts of God's goodwill to them and that God's just maybe not too smiley toward them. You know what I mean? In other words, he's just not as favorable because they're not measuring up. I would say this, it, it's probably better for us to want to do good just because he's good and not do good to try to earn his good graces. Notice this as we read on. Verse 13, And suddenly there was with him this angel, a multitude of angels, verse 14, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, peace, and goodwill. So every one of us should take that truth to ourselves and go goodwill toward men, which means goodwill toward you. Are you with me? God has goodwill. That means God is inclined, especially to his own, to have goodwill in their life. And verse 15 said, so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. 
You know what I think is so awesome about these verses right here is God wanted them to experience Him for themselves. He gave them a promise. He said, this has just happened over here. He said, this is where you can go get introduced to Him. Go there and you will see it and experience it for yourself. One thing that makes the gospel or the, the Bible so different is it's a book of experience. Are you with me? It's not just an argument uh, for something, but it is a book that can be experienced. And he said to them, you can go and see this and experience it for yourself. And then they acted on it and they experienced it for themselves, the truth that was proclaimed. In other words, it wasn't just like, believe what I'm saying. Don't go check it out. Don't go experience it yourself. If he said peace on earth and goodwill toward men, then that means God wants you to experience his peace here and now. Are you with me? Not, not when you get to heaven. Somebody said, you mean when we get there we're not? No, it's a given that all of us are going to be undone by how much peace and goodness we experience there. But the issue is this. God doesn't want you to give the product away to everybody else without you knowing it yourself. He wants you... I mean, Costco has been an illustration for me many times. But it's the truth. How many of us have gone in there and got something that we didn't intend to get, but it was based on the fact that we tried something. We experienced it. And we went, wow, I need that. And we really didn't need that. And we got home and went, why did I buy that thing? And, or, and we realized, yeah, it tasted good, but did I really need that? And as a matter of fact, I was talking to somebody before church about something, and they had samples there the other day, uh, and uh, I tried it, and, and you know what happened? I, I bought it. And I thought, wow, this is really good. And that person said, yeah, they had tried it. It was real good too. And you know what? God is not just saying, hey, peace, goodwill toward man, uh, accept that as an idea, he's saying, no, this is a reality. Just like the shepherds could go and see for themselves, God wants us to have peace and know and experience his goodwill. It would not really be the good news I'm used to reading about if everything was put off till after we died. How are we going to state our case to the world that what we have is better than what they have and what we have is the ultimate truth if we don't have something to give them. And here's the thing. It's not just so that we can give it to them. Didn't the Bible say, taste and see that the Lord is good? I mean, are we as good as Costco or not? You know, I lived in Southern California, you know, for a big chunk of my life. And 
not far from Disneyland, and they were constantly proclaiming this is the happiest place on earth. Well, why? Is, why didn't people argue with it? But people would go there and experience some fun and, you know, family time or whatever they did, and it was, it was good. But how many of you know that isn't the happiest place on earth? Somebody said, it's pretty good. No, but there's a place with, in God where there should be more peace, more goodness. And uh, if Costco can give out samples, <clears throat> said if Costco can give out samples, then, then our gospel, the Bible said, is in power and in a demonstration. What does that demonstration look like? It doesn't mean running around. What does that do for people? Not to be mean, what does that do for a lost person? Well, I'll tell you what, you give them peace that's more powerful than weed, or whatever they call it today, the devil's lettuce. Um, that's an old one. Sorry. And um, that they don't call that that anymore, right? But anyway, but I know when I gave my life to the Lord, one of my big things when I would witness to people is I would tell them I've had both. This is more powerful. If you'd be willing, you could experience it for yourself. And I was super confident that what I had was more powerful because I had OD'd. I knew what it was to take drugs and do all this stuff. And I knew what that would do. And I knew that there was power in that. But I knew this superseded it by a mile. As a matter of fact, after I gave my life to the Lord, I thought, man, I've been ripped off. I've wasted money. I could have had a lot more money that I spent on stuff that didn't do it. And if somebody could have told me and then told me how to extract the power and get this peace and experience this. And I remember when I'd go witness to people, I'd say, listen, there is something that's more fulfilling than that. And it is more powerful than that. And you'll like it more than that. But wouldn't it be horrible to say we've got something better, but you cannot sample it or experience it till after you die. You just have to take it for what it is. Wouldn't that be a horrible thought? I mean, because then you're just kind of going, okay, I believe the Bible, but how many of you realize, I'm going to read a verse in Mark's Gospel, the 16th chapter, and, and take a look at this, and we'll see it for ourselves that our gospel that we're following is a gospel really to be experienced. And then in the experience, it should enforce the message. Notice Mark 16, verse 19. It said, So, so then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up to heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached or proclaimed everywhere. 
they went out and told people about Jesus and that he had died and he had rose again and, and the list went on. And it said, and the Lord was working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Now notice this. He was endorsing the message they were preaching through signs. In other words, there was experiences that were had that point people to the Bible and say, this book is true. He confirms the word. What does that mean? Some people say, well, you preach it and then it happens because you preach it. Well, there's a truth in that, but there's a real truth in this. When people start experiencing something, it points them back to the message. It confirms it. If all of a sudden you're in a crowd of people and you start feeling a conviction that, man, this is real and there's a presence here, what is that doing? It's pointing you back to the message. What we have is true. God's working. I went there. I was around them. They told me in the office, wherever the situation is that somebody heard, and God worked. What was that working for? To show himself, but to let them know this word is true. Our gospel is a gospel of experience. Now, that doesn't mean every second of the day we should be having experiences. You know, they can vary. As a matter of fact, these angels were a real experience. But how many of you know the angels didn't say, take, take my hand, we'll walk you there, and we'll go show you, and you can go experience it with us, because, you know, we just need to be with you all the time. No, they disappeared. How many of you know there are times when God has dealt with us, and it seems like, did he disappear? Well, he didn't leave, so to speak. We just don't see him right then. But that doesn't mean because he's not visually appearing to us that we can't go on. But they had to just kind of move along, do some natural things. How many of you realize experiences don't always happen all the time, but they do do something to help our will and to know we're following the right thing? I mean, that was it for me. When I received the Lord, He was drawing me. When I called on Him in my bedroom in 1985, He came in me, and I remember sitting there thinking, whoa, what just happened? I mean, we're talking from days before where I'm doing everything you shouldn't do to thinking, what in the world is going on to the point I thought, I've tried this, tried this, to the point I came to this conclusion right there within moments. I can't tell anybody what just happened. I did. I, I thought, I can't tell people about this. Because I thought, what if this doesn't last? W what if it doesn't continue on? And then as the night went on, I went, something is different. I thought, well, I'll wait, and I waited a day, and I waited another day. And then I waited another day, and I thought, that's it. I'm telling everybody, this is real. I got something I didn't have before. And you know what? 
that reality drove me to the Bible. I went, I had an experience with the king of peace, the prince of peace, and now I know his word is connected to this experience. I'm going to follow his word, and I don't care what anybody else does, whether they like it or not. I'm going to love them. I'm going to care about people. But that experience did something to me. And it drove me and it confirmed what had been told me was so. And it's interesting that as we read this Christmas story about this child being born, there was a a vision, an experience, and then they went to experience it for themselves. I would say this, if there's ever a time, and I don't believe that there are better times than others, In other words, God wants you to experience it more today than in the past. But I'm saying in a dark world, uh, how much more should we be experiencing God to be able to give Him to people? Not just give Him so they can experience Him, you know, but so that we can experience Him. God doesn't want us to be I mean, I don't know about you, but if, you, if I worked at Costco, I would be in danger of gaining weight if I worked at one of those things that had something really good. I'd be like, one for you, one for me. One for you, one for me. You know, because you want to be fair. And, uh, you know, I saw that movie Wonka, and one of the guys got to eat chocolate. And as he, Did anybody see that movie? After a short time, he couldn't get out of the car. I thought, that's how I'd be if I worked at Costco at one of those sample things. But you know what? The peace of God's not going to do that to you. But it'll sure change you. And goodwill, and knowing that there's somebody for you, and it's not just a co-worker, it's not just a boss or a relative or your mom or whatever, but it's actually the God of the universe, the creator of all things, the one who made the dirt that we stand on. To know that his goodwill is toward us is huge. Let's just read one or two other verses. Turn to Isaiah and let's look at who was this baby? Was he, you know, obviously if angels appeared, Um, he has to be somebody. Because it's so rare in Scripture that angels or people have a supernatural encounters or interactions at birth, like with Samson there was, and he became a deliverer of the people. But you look at this, who is this baby that was born? Who is this baby that we're following? And if there's power in him, then that power should affect you. How many of you know if there's people who wear cologne or perfume, uh, the more they put on, the more it affects you? That's, don't take that wrong. I'm just saying. And people get around and there's an aroma that comes off of them, a fragrance, a smell. And um, there is a fragrance that comes off of God that is real, that is huge. 
And, but it's not, you know, the new whatever smell at the counter at Nordstrom. But it's peace and power and comfort and holiness. And it's all there to be experienced. If anyone thirsts, what did he say? Let him come to me and drink or, or partake. But who is this that was born? Isaiah 9, 6 says this, Unto us a child was born. That's what we saw, a child. Unto us a son was given. So we saw a child given or born, but really God had given his son or himself, really. And it said, And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God. The Everlasting Father, the Ruler of Peace. Who was born that day? God came in the flesh. We don't just worship the baby who came. We remember him at this time of year. And like we said last week, I'm all for Christmas lights, Christmas trees, and you know all the cool stuff that I think is cool around Christmas. I know different people have different thoughts. But above all of it, I'm not bothered what other people worship. I know what I worship and what I recognize and what I'm remembering at this time. And I'm remembering not only uh, this Christ came, he is God in the flesh. And who I am worshiping and remembering at this time is the God who saved me. And the God that we're experiencing this morning. And it's cool because I like this. You know, we're sitting here and they're singing songs. And, you know, the songs were good. The music was good. But what if they were messing up on the guitars, messing up on the drums? And it wasn't that way. It was real good. But how many of you know there's something that makes our music different than a lot of the music in the world and it's called God's presence. And how cool is it to be able to experience God, who we're honoring today and worshiping today? And really, God wants us to experience Him. So what we're going to do here in a minute is we're going to receive communion. And the Bible said in 1 Corinthians, whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, we're doing it in remembrance of Him. And then it says, and the way it says it, we show forth his death till he comes. It literally, one way it reads is we manifest what he did. Do you know he paid for peace? And when we take the communion elements here in a minute, we can manifest forth the things he paid for. I mean, we manifest it. By singing, because God said he would inhabit the praises of his people. I mean, so when we were singing, and it was good, but like I'm saying, even if they were off key because we were singing unto the Lord, man, you could sense God working in here. You know, the only time, or I should say, not the only time the glory of God appeared uh, was not just when the Lord came and the angels spoke. We've had people say, boy, it all of a sudden starts looking hazy in there when we're singing or when we're praising God. And, 
you could really sense God and it kind of looks almost cloudy at times. You know, the glory of God would appear like that in the, in the Bible. But if God's still in the tasting business, and he is, and people need it more today, or, as, or I should say as much today as any day, God wants you to experience so you can be a good seller. Amen? I had a friend who sent me a picture because In-N-Out had opened for the first time in their area. And there was a huge line. It had been opened for a few days. But he had experienced In-N-Out in another place. Now, I'm not trying to start an argument. Is it Whataburger or In-N-Out? We all know the truth, and the truth will set you free. <clears throat> but people were talking about this place called... Let's keep it down. Talking about this place called In-N-Out and how people just go there and people are telling people. Disneyland is not the happiest place. In-N-Out is good, but it's not God. It's not God good. Even though there's scriptures on the cup and everything like that and on the wrappers, God good stuff, and, and I'm all for experiencing all the good things that are in the world. But the best thing is experiencing God. And so when we take communion, if you need peace, you should remember His blood, the Bible said, purchased your peace. And you should declare, you know what, God, I'm going to be sampling this peace more often because not only does the world need it, I'm living in the world, I need it. Amen. God wants you to experience his peace. Not just at church. When you're left alone with your own thoughts and your own life, he wants you to experience his peace. And the same thing is true with everything else. In, in the top part, there's a little cracker. And uh, he said that is a symbol, you know, it's bread. And he said, this bread is like my body. It's a picture of my body that was broken for you so that you could have peace of mind, so that you could be physically healed and technically deliverance from all the power of darkness. How many of you know anything that's junk is not God? And God didn't want you to have it. And he said, we can manifest forth his death until he comes. In other words, we can experience what he paid for. And so he said, when you drink and eat, it's your opportunity to remember and to partake. So when we do, we're going to do this in remembrance of him that he came, but that he paid for stuff. And we're going to increase the peace that we're experiencing. How many believe that? You know we can. We're, what kind of peace is it? It's his peace. So if you will, you can take and take the clear part. We should have had a video. Oh yeah, if you didn't get one when you came in and need one, just hold your hand up. There's somebody here. You can get them one of those. And um, anybody else need one, you can raise your hand. We'll get you. There's somebody over here. Somebody over there. Somebody over there. So anyway, if you need one, just raise your hand and we'll, we'll get you one. But the little clear part peels off. We should have had a little instructional video had Pastor Linda doing it. 
up there and you can pull that off and it will open up the little cracker uh, wafer, I use technical terms, wafer, and uh, unleavened bread, which is a symbol of Christ's body. And then when you get it out, we'll go ahead and partake together. I'm going to pray a prayer and I'm going to make a statement and then I'm going to ask you to repeat it. And that's going to be your faith. And you're going to lay hold and you're going to experience God working your life and he's going to do something and you're going to leave different. Amen. You ready? Everybody just say this with me. Father, when I partake of this bread, of this wafer, I'm remembering my Savior and what he did for me. I'm partaking, and when I do, my back will be healed. My knees will be healed. Pain will leave my body. Growths will leave my body. Any ill in my body will go. And so I partake, remembering my freedom, and it's mine now. Now you can go ahead and partake. And you can say this with me. Thank you, God. I've partaken. I believe. Things are changing. Thank you. Now we're going to partake of the juice. It's a symbol of the blood that he shed. And this blood binds the covenant, washes our sins away. And uh, when our sins are washed away, here's what you need to remember. Guilt is gone. But how many of you realize guilt can be uh, paid for or your sins can be forgiven and people still deal with guilt? How many of you know you could pay a bill off and think, did I pay that bill off and have to go back and go, oh yeah, I already did. But for every believer, we need to know, as you're struggling, <laughs> people are putting their thing down. And uh, we definitely got um, not child-proof. These are not child-proof. These are adult-proof. So actually, if you can get the foil separate, I feel like I'm doing an infomercial. If you can get the foil separate from the plastic, it comes off pretty easy. But what we need to do is realize this. Shame can affect your peace. The bill's already paid. You just need to extinguish a dart. That says, oh, no, no, no. No, forget you. You take your junk and get out of here. That goes to hell when he leaves. And he's dispatched at the end when the Lord comes back. So if it doesn't belong to us then, it doesn't belong to you now. Even if you feel like you need to punish yourself, wrong. Ooh, I felt like a... Don't do that. You, you don't deserve to punish yourself because all punishment was laid on Christ. That's really being religious in a wrong way. And so what we need to do is just uh, dispatch that. So let's say this together before we partake. Thank you, Jesus, that your blood washed me. I'm clean. Peace 
will now increase in me. I say to condemnation, you cannot dwell in my mind and in my heart. You get out of here. I'm living in peace, living in prosperity. I partake as a reminder and as a time for the stopping of this condemnation. When I partake, it's no more. Now let's partake. Say this with me after you do. Thank you, Lord. It's gone. The peace is increasing. I will not allow the lie of condemnation to rule me. What I have from you, I'm going to experience. And I'm going to give it away. Thank you, Lord, for coming for me and for the world. Amen. You believe that? Well, you can kind of hold those aside. And I would encourage you this, to do this. Talk to yourself. Somebody said, I already do. But talk to yourself like this. And with God, just say, thank you. I've got peace, and it's going to increase. Some people, I, I didn't grow up like this. When we went to have family things together, I don't ever remember anybody fighting, anybody arguing. It was always really good. But I know some people are going, oh, Jesus. You know what I mean? I saw a, a little joke thing about a person making a cherry pie and how to make a cherry pie so you can have better time together, and they pour it in a whole bottle of NyQuil. And um, me, everybody's mellowed out now. But you know what? It, whether your family's mellowed out or not, I would encourage you activate his peace in your life by declaring the peace of God's going to rule in me. I am going to have a good holiday time and a good time into the next year. And God's peace is going to rule me like never before. And you watch what happens. Amen? It will happen. And whether you dread going to family things... How many of you know you can go there and it can be good even though things haven't changed around you? In the Lord good.